Welcome to Two Idiots One Podcast. This is Bailey. And this is Taylor. And before we start today, Taylor, I just want to take a second to talk to you about something. Okay. I don't have anything. <laughs> that's that's my line. No, I know. Why did you why did you take my line? Well, I wanted to catch you off guard because I thought it would be comical for me personally. And perhaps our listeners. Okay, you know what? We're gonna talk about that today. We're gonna talk about how you just stole my thunder. Are we getting back to Stolen Thunder again? Go back to Stolen Thunder, yeah, from our Zombieland episode. Is that what that's from? Yeah, that was our, our Zombieland episode where we talked about that. Where oh. you had stole my thunder, but this time you, the roles were reversed and you were stealing my thunder yet again. Hmm. Because that's my line. Like, I've opened every single episode with that. And for, then, like, the last six months. Yeah, yeah, for, like, the last six months. Every episode I've opened like that, and then you come out of nowhere with this left field. Welcome back to this one podcast. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that today before we start this podcast. Why'd you do that? I just thought it would be funny, bro. It probably was. I've been planning on doing it, like, for a long time, and I just had my opportunity. Just I'm, to, like, just to, like, get in your head to, like, do some do some mind stuff thank you for doing the mind stuff but speaking of mind stuff that kind of reminds me of today's episode movie why because minds blow up vehicles minds blow up vehicles and minds are everywhere in a movie titled three kings from 1999 well they're not everywhere they're just in like the sand there are scenes in this movie where they are literally everywhere <laughs> because things blow up Boom, boom, kachoo. But this was a great movie written by John Ridley and David O. Russell while also being directed by David O. Russell. Not O. Russell, O. Dot Russell. Yes. That was a callback to an earlier episode. It was, which was a callback to a Reddit post from uh, like 10 years ago. The main important big name cast people are George Clooney as Archie Gates, Mark Wahlberg as Troy Barlow. You mean Marky Mark? I'm sorry. At this time, he was known as Marky Mark. He's still known as Marky Mark to me. Ice Cube as Chief Elgin, and Spike Jones as Conrad Vig. Yeah, yeah. I, mean. I, I I agree with all of the characters and who their corresponding actors are. Thank you, because that's facts. Hard the only facts. thing that you don't agree with is Mark Wahlberg's name. I mean, I recognize that some people refer to him as Mark Wahlberg. I just think that it's supposed to be Marky Mark. And you are entitled to your wrong opinion. Absolutely. Aren't we all? Bailey on a scale from one to five with one being absolutely terrible and five being the best thing that you've ever seen in your life. What do you give in this movie? This movie is a solid 2.5. So middle of the road? Very, very middle of the road. Probably not going to watch it again? Probably not going to watch it again. But not a terrible slog <clears throat> fest? Well, this movie had a couple of really funny moments. Really funny being a slight exaggeration. This movie had a couple of funny moments and a couple of wholesome moments, but for a majority of the movie, I was just not having a super jolly good one. And that's why you gave it a 2.5? Yeah, it was... Kind of predictable, kind of boring. I guess boring isn't a good word because it had a lot of action and things that would excite most people. But for me, I wasn't engaged with it. I thought it was kind of boring. Okay. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm giving it a 4 out of 5, maybe oh. a 4.5. Damn. I like this movie. I like this movie a lot. 
it is a it's it's a dark comedy. It definitely is, and you can tell because some of the jokes in there are very very dark. But I enjoy the movie. I will probably watch it again just to make sure that I understand it. Even though I'm pretty confident I got it, but it's a satirical piece and I like satire a lot. Even though I know you like satire and didn't like this movie, which we'll get into in the spoilers. But before we do that, what do you think Roger Ebert gave it in 1999? Probably a three on his scale. You would be close. He gave it a four. On his scale? Yeah. So a perfect score. Perfect score. He really liked this movie. That's very impressive. I thought it was very impressive, too. It's one of the only ones that he gave a four on, but he did like it. Hmm. And if you were to summarize this movie for the listeners at home who have no idea what we're talking about, spoiler free, of course, how would you do it? So this takes place near the end of the Gulf War after the peace treaty is signed. And it's the story of a group of soldiers who come across a map that they believe leads to gold and other treasure. And they decide to go AWOL in order to try to acquire this gold without telling their commanding officers or any of their battle buddies or anything where they were going or what they were looking for. And it's their story of their quest to get that and trying to do right by refugees along the way. Yeah, I agree. I would say four men go on a quest for gold out of greed and selfishness, but by the end of it, will have a change of heart as they come across refugees that need their help. Yeah. That's also pretty fair. That's pretty... I mean, I thought you did a great job. I mean, I don't... So, I don't think that they all have a change of heart because George Clooney's character... We can save it for Well, yeah, spoilers. I was fixing to say. Because I think they all have a change of heart, but... Ooh, he's writing something down. I am writing this down so that I don't forget to bring it up again. That we can come back to it? Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, it was one of the points that I was going to make. You were just trying to beat me to the punch. But with that being said... I, w- I wasn't trying to beat you to the punch. Do you want to get straight into the spoilers? Sure. All right, whoever's editing this podcast in the future, roll the music. Okay, I don't know why I had like a stroke or whatever at the end of that. Is that how music is pronounced, sir? I mean, I'm probably going to edit this and cut that out, so. Oh, are you? Yeah. Okay. It'll just be roll the, and then it'll start. Oh, okay. Since I was music. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I apologize. Now you're on that gravy train, Holmes. So do you think this movie was funny? Let's start there. Because I know there was supposed to be a dark comedy. So there were parts that I thought were funny, but the comedy I got from them was overshadowed by other elements of the movie that I didn't think were as good. Okay. For example, I think one of the arguably funniest moments was when the cow exploded. Oh, arguably, yes. And I didn't realize that was supposed to be funny until until they were going into the bunker afterwards and the people in the bunker were like, they're covered in blood, they're butchers. Yeah. And him calling them butchers when a cow would normally be butchered to me I think was supposed to be funny, but the explosion itself didn't make me laugh or anything. I was just like, oh, fuck, that's horrifying. I feel bad for those guys because had I been in that vehicle, 
I would have definitely pissed my pants. For sure. No doubt in my mind. 100%. Well, and I think that's the difference between us because the way that I went in on it was they're trying to train for whenever they're taking the bunker. And it's going to be like, all right, when we roll up, this is how we're going to do it. Or we're going to have guns going. Let's do it. And then they roll up with such confidence. And as soon as they get out, the bull steps back and blows up. And that was just like, oh, that whole thing. After all that talk and preparation for nothing. And that was the part that was funny to me. The butcher thing, though, yes, that was funny and ironic. I get that. But I thought the explosion was funny. No, the explosion made me, like, jump back. And I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, oh, shit, they're dead. I was like, we just lost the main party. I was like, now it's going to be focusing on someone trying to recover their corpses because they just blew up to death. Well, and it was even, like, the conversation. Uh, I thought you said this place was swept for mines. It was little things like that. Even the opening where he goes, do we shoot? Are we Are we supposed to shoot? Can we shoot? He's got a gun, so we should shoot, right? So... I didn't think that was funny because to me that's like a violation of the rules of engagement because you're not supposed to shoot at someone until they've shot at you. Dude wasn't even pointing the weapon at him. He was just holding it up in the air. Well, he was also waving a flag too, wasn't he? Like a white flag? Yeah, he was clearly not not a hostile. So that didn't make me laugh. It made me go, oh, so we're war criminals. Cool. Which I think that that was a direct jab at the military for doing stuff like that, especially when they're ripping off the the head pieces, the turbans. They're ripping off the turbans, and he's like, no, 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 it's not how you do it. You got to do it like this. You got to ask them to do it. You know, stop pointing your gun at them. You can scare them. Even stuff like that going in and just ripping stuff off and saying you have to do it this way, I felt, was a critique of that and oh, how I'm, we handled it. I'm confident that it's a critique. I just, I don't know enough about how it actually went down to know if, if it's a fair critique or not. Which, granted, I think that it did the same thing as Vietnam. Right. And I know, and this is my theory and thought belief, was the reason that 9-11 happened was directly related to what we did in the Gulf War, where we kind of came in and did our thing, and America, fuck yeah, and then... You have, you know, the Al-Qaeda who are like, ah, yeah, that's got to stop. Because I think we came in and did our thing and just showed that we're better. And that was why they started hating us. I mean, for amongst other reasons. But I I believe that the Gulf War is what caused 9-11. Or Bush did. I don't know. The world may never know. Are we a conspiracy theory podcast now? We are, Bush and 9-11. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure either. I would imagine that there are a lot of people out there who think that the Gulf War is directly related to why 9-11 happened, but I'm not familiar enough with the circumstances surrounding it to have a valid opinion. Uh, the circumstances of the Gulf War were, like most wars, oil and holy lands. That's fair. Saddam Hussein wanted to control was like 40% or something, almost half of the world's oil supply by taking over Kuwait. And he would also have access to two holy lands, which, as everybody knows, in the Middle East, they fight over the holy lands since the beginning of time. Ever since it was declared the holy lands, 
Muslims and um, Jewish people have fought. And then were there like crusades that were taken out because the Catholics decided that they wanted the Holy Lands? I once again, I'm not familiar enough with this portion of history to to say. The Holy Lands have been fought over for several thousands of years. Yeah, for a very long time. Ever since it was declared the Holy Lands, people have fought over it and want power. I think it's mainly been the uh, the Jews and the Muslims fighting over it, trying to take it back, and and that causes a lot of conflict. Absolutely. Because Jerusalem is one of the big things where they're like, oh, we got to take this over. But yeah, Kuwait. So they were looking for the gold, and I thought, I thought whenever it was coming out of the dude's ass, that was funny. So I was afraid that it was a bomb. The piece of paper. I w- was under the impression that it was probably like a fuse. Like a, there was a bomb up his ass, and that was the fuse, and once they pulled it, he was going to blow up. Okay. Like when during that scene, I was sitting in the back of my seat, like holding on to the, uh, to like the sides of my chair because I was like, oh, they're all about to die. That guy's about to blow up. This is a suicide bomber. So you went into that super literal and logical. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's see where the rest of this podcast is going to go. With you, with me being like, oh yeah, this was funny and a joke, and you're like, no, I was scared. I no. thought I was gonna blow up, bro. I thought he had a bomb up his ass. Okay, so what about the what about the dick tweezers, where he was like, where they pulled the second half of it out of his dick? I thought that was funny. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that one was funny. Well, yeah, because you don't have. He's not gonna have a. He's not gonna have a bomb shoved up his cock hole. Bombs How do you don't know? fit up. Bombs don't fit up cock holes. Everyone knows that. Micro bombs. Oh yeah, I'm not worried about a micro bomb up someone's cock hole. Oh, that being said, someone could fit a bunch of bomb up their ass. I have no doubt, but it was a piece of paper. I'm aware of that now. After the fact, I was like, oh, that was a pretty funny place to put it. Yeah, it puts it up his ass. It was like a gold watch. Like a gold watch also fits up someone's ass. Yeah, you could go survive a whole war, a whole POW camp with a watch up your ass. Yeah, you know, five long years. <laughs> Your and father. then you could deliver it to to the guy whose watch it was his son. Yeah, exactly. That'd be a interesting story. I wonder if they ever did that. Yeah, uh, they probably probably. Oh, something about asses and stuff and war, huh? Interesting. The dick hole part was funny. The dick tweezers that was funny, but but not the piece of paper up the butt. It it would have been it would be funny on a second viewing knowing that it's not a bomb, but because I was under the impression that it was a bomb, I was uncomfortable. Okay. I can understand that then. If you take it as literal, this is what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah, like oh, the he, dude's about to get boom boom kachooed. So now I see why you didn't think this was funny. No. Cuz you were like, "Oh, literal." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, it's going to be a bomb." I oh, think that's going to be a bomb. Oh, that's going to be a bomb. Oh, they're going to get shot. Oh, they're just running in. They're not even, like, clearing the room, like, together. Like, they aren't stacked up outside. They're just running in. They're going to die. That's how you get shot. That goes against everything you learn in training. This is going to be one of my favorite episodes because for the first time, I'm not the overly critical one. The roles have been reversed. Well, it's, I mean, I don't know about, like, tactics, techniques, and procedures for the Gulf War. Like, I'm not familiar but the way they were reacting, the way that they like stacked up on each other, the way they cleared buildings or bunkers, none of it makes sense to me. It all seemed very confused and jumbled and willy-nilly. 
And to me, that stressed me out watching it because that's not how you're supposed to handle situations like that at all. Well, you know, it's super interesting. Someone told me one time to, quote, suspend your disbelief. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, and <laughs> I I don't know. I thought when, when you were watching the movie, you would suspend your disbelief because this movie was written in, like, what, eight days or something? Yeah. And sold in 10 days? I thought it was written in three and sold in 18. In 18? A- 18 was the magic number. So within 18 days, this movie was written and sold. Holds the record for the fastest one. Yeah. And for it being written that quickly, really impressed. No, absolutely. Like, I'm not saying that this movie doesn't have its merits. To me, the comedy, the comedic elements didn't hit for me. And because the comedic elements weren't hitting, the rest of the movie felt like a slog rather than like something I was very into. Because you took it too literal. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, it's it's not a bad movie. I hope people hearing this aren't thinking that it's a horrible movie because it's not bad. It just wasn't for me. Bailey just did the thing that I normally do where I'm overly critical of something and then he comes in and goes, you gotta just spend your disbelief. It's not that bad. And I'm like, look, no, it's not. <laughs> so having having that said, would you would you like to do two two scores? No. No, oh, you're sticking to your, this oh, is what, okay. Yeah. That's fair. Because I don't know what it would, because I don't know how funny it was. Like, I don't know how hard the funny parts would have hit in the event that they were hitting for me. Okay. Because they still might have hit super light. Like, it, it might have been like, oh, uh, uh, oh it uh, exploding light. cows. Okay, so tell me Treasure something. Treasure maps up the ass. Woo. Woo-hoo. Okay, so what's something that you enjoyed then? So I thought it was really, really cool how once they were getting the chemical warfare, the CO gas or whatever, mortared over them, I thought the refugees coming out of the, like, I don't even know, coming out of the caves with, like, the gas mass and all of that and, like, collecting people and collecting the gold, the way that they did that was really cool to me because they seemed, like, super organized and, like, they knew what was up and they were willing to put themselves in potential danger to go out and save other refugees, or I guess these were rebels, not refugees, but the rebels went up to save the refugees and to save the American soldiers who, you know, were in this situation, and I thought that was cool because I thought their gas masks were really cool with, like, the dangly thing, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like the old 1940s gas masks. exactly. They were using, like, retro gas masks, and to me, it was really cool because of the juxtaposition between the gas masks that the American soldiers had and it showed because a lot of the weapons and stuff that were in that area during that time came from the U.S. A lot of their training, it was even mentioned in the movie that they were trained by U.S. forces and I don't know. To me, that's cool. And they were training them. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Because that's one of the main missions of like the U.S. military when it goes in somewhere is to train the locals to defend themselves. So this doesn't happen again, and if it does happen again, here's how you can combat it. Exactly. Which is cool. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. I thought them using the older equipment was cool, and I thought how how quick and responsive they were was really cool because it means that they were, like, checking it out and watching, hoping. What I would imagine is they were waiting for the refugees to have an opportunity to go in there and save them. Right. And speaking of that, my my favorite scene of the whole movie was what I will refer to as the car scene. 
where George Clooney is trying to basically say, you know, hey, we're going to use these vehicles. And that scene is great because he goes, no, you know, we're we're poor. You have a lot of money. We need the vehicles. You have Humvees, choppers, tanks. No. And then he does this really great Motivational speech. recruitment speech. Of, you know, everything's great. America, fuck yeah. George Bush wants you. George Bush wants you. George Bush wants Iraq to unite. We're going to unite Iraq. We're going to unite America. Ah, and gets everybody cheering, and they're all super excited. And he goes, how about those vehicles? And he goes, no. Still no. And he's like, all right, we'll buy them off you. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Like that was hilarious and by far my favorite scene of that whole movie, I think. So a close second for me because I agree that that was a really funny scene. That's probably the single funniest scene to me. Oh yeah, it's it's the funniest scene hands down. But w- another scene that I really liked was near the end when Marky Mark was um being interrogated basically and they were talking about the Saddam's army soldier. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the technical term would be, but Saddam's soldier was torturing Marky Mark and like they were having a conversation about morality and we were trained by U.S. forces and then U.S. forces, you know, killed my daughter. So because of that, like now I have to do this. And I thought that was really cool because it really shows the other side because controversial take sometimes people aren't your enemy because because they're fundamentally different it's just where they were born where they're located what they were taught and even if you guys would normally be in agreement because you feel the same way about the same things because you're taught to hate each other you're going to hate each other and i thought that that was a pretty powerful scene in regards to no, we're basically the same. It's just different circumstances, but same mindset. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. That was that was the most powerful scene by far where he where like you said, you know, American troops trained us, but when the bombs collapsed, when the bombs went off, a piece of concrete caused my son to die. Was it his son? I thought it was a daughter. It was Marky Mark's daughter. Because he goes, how would you like it if I went and bombed your family? And it would be worse than death, right? And he goes, yeah, like that's how I feel. Because he tries to reason with him and say that we're, we're both fathers. He goes, no, we're not. My son is dead. I'm not a father. And that's why I'm doing this. Yeah. Because he's like, why are you telling me all this? Because he's trying to reason with him and get on like a personal level you know i have a daughter you have a son he's like no i don't because of this this is why i'm doing this if that hadn't have happened i don't think he would have done anything no but that goes back to your basically the same we're just enemies because of circumstances because of this exactly if that hadn't have happened what would have been would the outcome have been different probably in that specific individual's life absolutely and I think that that's just a thing of war, though, that we don't think about. Well, I mean, it's not just war. It's the same with your neighbors or your coworkers who you have an issue with or pretty much anyone you have an issue with. You're a lot similar than you think. You, you just, just have to try to look at it from each other's perspective. 
and if you and if people took the time to like sit down and actually look at it from okay this is where you're coming from this is where i'm coming from i think a lot of issues would be solved a lot quicker because it's a it's a understanding and a meeting in the middle pretty much but instead of that it's you're wrong i'm right yeah and and we want your shit so we're gonna blow you up to take your shit that we want right like i i want this because x y or z yeah which is just human nature we could talk about morality i don't (laughs) i i mean i think we did i think we hit on it i think we we hit on it that's okay we'll save that for the taylor talk We'll, we'll circle around to morality okay now, I do want to circle back to the everybody change changing. Yeah. Because I know for a fact, everybody actually did have a change of heart. And here's why. They all basically agreed to go AWOL to get this gold to change circumstances. You know, you have a shitty job, right? How would this change your life? You want to take care of your family, right? This would change your life. What do you do? Nothing. Okay, cool. You don't have a job. Let's do it. It'll change your life. We'll make everybody's life better if we can find the gold of Kuwait that they keep talking about. And they they set out on this mission with the sole intent of this is where I'm. This is how I'm going to do it. This is what I want. And then and when they enter the town for the first time, and the civilians are basically being corralled and treated like animals they kind of look at them and have a problem with it but don't do anything because it's didn't go for the gold and then once they figure out that the gold's in the well they come back still see the same thing still see them kind of treating them bad but their their mindset is i need the gold you gotta go for the wealth and then as soon as they find it it's like ah fuck it who cares so see i don't think that that's what it was i don't think that it's they found the gold and then they were like suddenly oh i don't really care about the gold anymore no it was the moment that it all changed was when the woman was shot right so it was because they couldn't they couldn't hide that fact anymore it was more of they were focused on the gold than anything and kind of this place second fiddle to that like not my problem type thing which was how even at the end of the movie they said you know not my problem not my not my issue, right? Not my war. And what had happened was they see that, and that was what started it. It was just a random shooting of a woman. Boom. Can't do that. That was a mother trying to protect her child or whatever from the, the prisoner that they had. And when the Humvee blows up, I, hold on. Hold I on. haven't you're said looking, anything. You, you, the way you're looking at me, you're like, motherfucker. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. But when the when the Humvee blows up and the rebels come out and take them in and then are treating them with respect and kindness and showing them like this is how we do things. I think one of the most powerful things is when he was asking about uh, being a, 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 what is it, opening a salon, being a hairdresser. He's like, don't care whose hair we cut. It can be anybody's. They just want a salon. That's it. And that was back to that understanding of, like, we're the same. But anyway, I think that when they get separated, that was that moment where they're in the caves being 
treated by everybody that they're like okay we have to help these people that was the moment where they really started focusing on it where at the end everybody was like we need to get them across the border i don't give a shit anymore like none of this matters you can arrest me for going awol that's fine they need to go off they need to go across the border they don't need to be where they're at i think that was the change of heart so yeah i think that that's what started it, but it had nothing to do with them finding the gold. It was just, we can't really ignore this anymore. And then now that you're treating me with kindness, because Conrad, what what Conrad says is we were, we were trained to kill everybody that we see. And Ice Cube's like, no, you weren't. We were not taught that. I thought that that was kind of very powerful with like the differing views on it where he goes in and says, oh yeah, we were just trained to kill everybody. He's like, no. We weren't trained to do that at all. We were trained to do this, but you looked at it like this. Because even he had a change of heart. And then died. That's not the point. Which I did want to talk to you about. Um, he was shot above the collarbone, correct? How did he die exactly? Uh, I would imagine he probably bled out. Okay. Would that be like a real thing? Cause I don't know. Okay. Well, I just wanted I want to know your your opinion on it because if if I was shot above like a little bit above the collarbone, that wouldn't have nicked any of the corroded artery. Well, I guess it could have. Well, I mean, you have to keep in mind his eye was already fucked up. He was already, you know, semi blown up when the Humvee went over the mines like he jumped out before it fully blew up, but he obviously got shrapnel or something in his eye. Right, cuz that was Yeah, so yeah. he was already a little fucked up. So it's possibly blood out. It's possible it hit something and it was just generally above the collarbone, but it could have been more to the neck or it could have been more like center. But okay. I would imagine he bled out. I don't think they specifically said what killed him. Well, because that was my issue. It was like it was above the collarbone. Okay, cool. He shouldn't have died from that. And then the fact that Marky Mark lives after having a collapsed lung and he literally tells him, George Clooney tells him, you got like four or five hours. You can probably do the valve for four or five hours. And he survives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just happens, dog. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I had a fucking hole in his lung. Which, speaking of which, the way that they did that um, was inspired CSI, I think. Because CSI did the same. Th- well, so, you okay, hear me out. This came before CSI, like the original one. And when they show when they're when they're talking about that scene with the bullet going through and then it hits and bile fills up and all that, it's the same thing that they do with CSI whenever they're showing the entry. You know, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I thought you were talking about the medical procedure they did, and I was like, no, I was like, in army in the army, you have to take a class called combat lifesaver, and that's one of the things they teach you to do. I was like, that's pretty basic. No, I was talking about the way that they showed that. Oh, I thought from you were like talking- a television standpoint, nothing for that. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the the tube so that he could breathe with the lung, and I was like, no, I was like, that's pretty basic stuff you learn. That's pretty basic. I'm I'm glad that that's the basic stuff that you learn, and and that that was real. Yeah, I mean the way he checked for like the gurgling noise isn't the way I remember learning how to do it, but it's super similar. I thought the wheezing would have given it yeah, away. Yeah, it's the wheezing. Like, oh, you're wheezing, then lung. Got it. Yeah. So what else do you have written down in your notebook? That's about it, dude. Really? You didn't have very much to talk about? 
and you didn't want to get into morality. I mean, the issue with morality is it's so easy to like, like who's who's right and who's wrong in this scenario. I don't know. We'll save that for the Taylor talk. <laughs> You're welcome. So, but circling back to the change of heart, though, do you really, do you believe that they had a change of heart? Because you said that they didn't. I mean, I think most of them did, but I don't think everyone had a change of heart. Like, I don't think uh, Archie Gates had a change of heart because the entire time he was, like, concerned about what was happening to the civilians. And I think that when he realized how dire the civilian situation was, when he saw that woman be shot, it wasn't a change of heart in the instance of, like, Oh, now I care. I care now. He's not like Ice T when, when in that episode of Rick and Morty. You know what I'm saying, dog? When when they make him yeah. care, it's not like that at all. I think he always cared, and when he sees that, oh, these guys are getting murdered. They're not just being held captive. It's not just the men being tortured. The women are also being murdered. So I don't think it was a change of heart. I think it was him saying, oh, this is worse than I thought. You guys are going to stop her. It's going to be a problem. Which him grabbing the barrel of the gun too. Yeah. Was him saying, you guys are going to do what I say or there's going to be a problem. Because we, we do this. This is how we do things here. Yeah. But I don't think he personally had a change of heart in that moment. I think that. He always felt that way, and that just made him see how bad it was. That being said, I think Troy Barlow, Marky Mark, I think he had a change of heart. And I think Conrad had a change of heart. I think the chief had a change of heart. Conrad, so Conrad's change of heart was when all that was going down because he was the one that was outside while they were getting the gold. You could see that he was visibly kind of upset over everything. That was Conrad's change of heart. Troy's change of heart was during the... Torture interrogation. Absolutely. I don't know where the chief, I don't know where his would have been. I think his was, I think he was always like closer to the good side, you know what I mean? Or the morally just side, which in my perspective would be helping the refugees. I think he was always leaning towards that. But I think the moment that he was like, fuck, we have to do something was when he was in the cave after they got rescued from the CS gas. Okay, yeah. So his was the cave. Yeah, and I mean, in my perspective, based on what I saw. I can see that as... Because he's there praying with them. Right, and being integrated with them, like that was the human side of things. It's no longer, this is who we're looking at, the enemy. It's, oh, these these are real people that need help. They're not just statistics or numbers or whatever you want to call them yeah i can i can see where you're coming across but i still think george clooney even had a change of heart i mean he very well could have i just didn't see enough evidence for me personally to think that because had he felt different in the first place i think he would have been more willing for them to just not care, you know what I mean? But when they were leaving the village the first time, he was like, I'll hook him up with water, hook him up with MREs. And he didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? Right. But because he cared about the refugees, and even when they saw the soldiers taking, or the the Saddam soldiers taking them from the refugees, they were like, oh, what the fuck, give them back. 
yeah, give it back to that boy. Yeah. Like, and what I, are you doing? I think that was because for the most part, they generally felt positive towards the refugees and it was more of they were unknown. They knew they weren't allowed to help. Right. Rather than their hearts changing. I think they always were like, fuck, we have to do something. Fuck, we have to do something. Or at least George Clooney's character. You know, I don't really want to end this on like a, like a bad note. Is this the end? No, this isn't the end. But I don't want to. I don't want to end that. I wanted to talk one about one more thing because I know you don't really have anything to talk about. But I want to talk about one more thing. What do you got for us? The second funniest scene, I think, was the Saddam is coming scene. That was pretty funny. I thought where he rolls up and says, Saddam is pissed off at you and he is going to come and kill you all. You gotta leave. And the dude was even like, Out here? No. Oh, no. You're not real. He doesn't really think that. Like, come on. And then they see the limo pulling up and they're like, Oh, shit. And then they start stripping down and running off and throwing their guns. I thought that was funny. That was a super funny scene. And... uh, Based on my understanding, that's probably pretty realistic. I mean, yeah. If you if you could pull that off, I would assume so, because Saddam was... I mean, they called him Saddam Insane for a reason. I mean, pretty bad. Yeah. Kind of a bad dude, so I could see him just being pissed off for no reason and coming out there and killing a bunch of people. Well, no, not for no reason. They gave his gold away. They gave his shit away. I mean... I could see, like, when I say no reason, I could see him doing it, too, for no reason. That was a reason, because they did technically give a shit away, and he didn't have a, he had a big problem with that. But I could see him just doing it because... Because they, fuck him. Yeah, because fuck him. I feel that. Yeah, I thought <laughs> we would, before we went into the Taylor talk, we could uh, discuss that. So I thought for the Taylor talk, we could talk about morality. Is that okay? Yeah, let's talk about morality. So I want to start this off with what do you think? Like, I think we need to clearly define what we think morality is before we talk about it. Because I think it's important to define a concept before you just start talking about it. Okay. So I'll let you take the lead on this one. Tell me what is morality to you in your own words? Man, I really wish I'd looked up a definition for this prior to us doing this. So to me, morality is the difference between right and wrong in a more like grand scale than just law. And I agree. I think that morality in, if you, if you broke it down and put it like at a fifth grade reading level, morality would be what is good, what is bad. How do we, what do we define as good, bad, good versus evil, right? Yes. But I would, for me personally, I would put, outside of the jurisdiction of the law because the law is often not moral. Well, I I think it's everything. I think you can apply it to the law. I think you can apply it to anything. Like what is, because everybody has different morals. Some people have morals. Some people don't. You could say some people are immoral for the things that they do. But how do we classify it? What is what is moral how do we how do a group of people come together and say this is right this is wrong i don't think you can do it on a societal level because of how individual it is because morality is very very subjective it's 
very hard or impossible from my perspective to objectively be moral in a way that would be morally right for every individual on the planet. And because of that, I think when you're discussing these things, it's it, it's hard to come to a conclusion, obviously, because everything is subjective. It's all about perspective. And it goes back to the a man steals a piece of bread to save his starving family. What is, is that moral or immoral? It depends on who he stole the bread from. Stole it from a bakery to feed his family because his family was starving. Did the bakery have more bread? The bakery does have more bread. Did him stealing the bread cause anyone to go hungry? Yes. One one person went hungry because they were not able to get that loaf of bread. Then, yeah, what he did was immoral. Because but, what he did harmed someone else. But what he did was fed his family, though. Mm-hmm. He, his family didn't starve. Right. Because they were starving. But he hurt someone else. To, because he made someone else starve, not necessarily hurt someone else, because you could say he hurt someone else financially by stealing the bread. But financially hurting them isn't immoral if he was doing it for the reason of saving lives. But if him stealing the bread, if he was stealing it from a soup kitchen, and because he stole it from a soup kitchen, another poor, hungry soul was unable to eat and they starved because he stole this bread, then it becomes immoral in my opinion. Because morality is, you can do pretty much whatever you want as long as it doesn't do harm to others. And financial harm isn't harm because money is irrelevant. Okay, so we'll, we'll take it a step further because I was having a discussion, I believe the other day with somebody about Kevorkian and how he was labeled as a serial killer. But I don't think that Kevorkian was a serial killer because he was practicing euthanasia. And that is a whole morality topic, right? Well, I think euthanasia should be allowed to do whatever they want. Is it moral or immoral, though? I was making a joke. I I said youth in Asia should be able to do whatever they want. Get it? Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, it's not funny, so no. Cold-blooded. No, I mean, I think that if someone is grown and able to clearly demonstrate that they're in their right mind, if they want to be euthanized, they should be allowed to. So what about if they aren't able to express it? Would it, the person that's on the ventilator, at what point do you say it's immoral for you to keep this person alive? If they haven't expressed wishes of like what they want like me personally i'll tell you i'll tell you i'll tell the podcast i'll ever tell everyone in the event that something happens to me and i'm incapacitated likely to be vegetable forever pull the plug i don't want to be alive no i i agree but if someone hasn't expressed that feeling then it's immoral to pull the plug until it is impossible to sustain life in them or they can give you what they want to happen. Now, if you're a family and you can't afford to maintain them on life support, then it's not your fault. It's the doctor and the hospital's obligation to keep this individual alive because they have to take the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, and removing someone from life support 
without their consent that they're willing to die to me is doing harm. Okay. But it's not on the family. If the family can't afford it, it's on the hospital for putting them on life support in the first place. Like if you weren't going to maintain their life indefinitely until they were able to give a decision, you shouldn't have maintained their lives at all because that's just cruel to the family. In my opinion. No, no, I agree. I was trying to play devil's advocate here, but I don't know how to do that one. This is a really heavy subject. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, morality is a very, very heavy subject. We're going to have to put uh, trigger warnings on this episode. Probably. <laughs> but that's okay, because that's what we do here at Two Idiots, One Podcast. We ask the hard questions. I don't know if we're qualified enough to give the hard answers, though. I mean... I think anybody, everybody has an opinion on things and can do it. And when you talk about something like morality, it's all philosophy and subjective. So technically anybody can answer it and be right in their own way because morality is subjective. You aren't wrong. However, like all things, even opinions, I think some opinions are more correct than others. Yeah, No, I, I agree that some opinions are more correct than others, but at the same time, anybody can do it. And that's the important part. Yeah. That is the important part. Yeah. I don't know. I think the. Did you ever play the game Spec Ops the Line? I don't believe so. Because that one has a really big morality. That was one of the games that I played that I was like, oh, wow. Because it was, it was a different war game. They go to Dubai and they're trying to rescue somebody. And the scene that made me want to do it was the white phosphorus scene, is what they call it. And there's a, there's a mission where you have to go and you have to rain down white phosphorus on a enemy camp and it's all civilians it is all civilians that happens yeah and it was this you know we're gonna go in there we're gonna fuck them up and then when you when you play it it they're just white dots you see the the white outlines of the humvees and you see the white dots and you're like okay i just got to do it and then you you blow them all up you don't know what you're doing you're under the impression that this is all bad guys and then when you get in you see the aftermath of these were these were the rebels. They weren't the enemy. And you just killed a bunch of refugees. And then there's this one where this mother is like holding her daughter. And it's just... And then there's there's two people with you. And then they start freaking out. Because they're like, you're a, you're a monster. Like, what have you done? You told us to do this. And I think that that was... That whole game deals with morality, though. Because it even gives you the option when two people are hanging. You can shoot one of them down to save them. And it's the thief or the dude who is punishing him by cutting off his hand. And it's like, okay, well, who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? Is the guy in the wrong for stealing the bread to feed his family? Or is the other guy in the wrong because he's cutting off his hand and harming him? Who started hanging them? They're already there. They were just, they were just hung. You would be in the wrong for interfering. Yeah. Unless you can save both. You can't then in my opinion you would it would be immoral to interfere at all. Yeah. I mean you can walk away from it, not do anything and just leave them hanging there. The the fun cool concept of that is they don't exist. Everything is inside the dude's head. He's crazy. You just spoiled that game for literally anyone who might ever play it. Oh, it's been spoiled to shit, so. <laughs> not for me until just now. <laughs> you wouldn't play it. No, you're probably right. I know you won't because you get there and you're looking for Conrad, who's this dude that keeps talking to you over the walkie. And when you get over there, you uh, pull the chair around and Conrad's dead. 
he's been hallucinating it the whole time and to deal with his PTSD and the atrocities of the war crimes that he has committed accidentally, he has manifested Conrad and said, this is why I'm doing it. I got to go save Conrad. And that's why he does everything. That's pretty fucking dark. Oh, it's so dark. It is so dark. It's like, how does he cope with it? And then at the end of the game, you have like two options. You can either go with them when they come and get you because like eventually uh, the troops will come in and be like, hey man, are you good? And then they'll kind of like take you in and arrest you. Or if you're feeling ballsy, you can go full commando and just blast everybody, kill them all. And then he picks up the, uh, the walking and says, gentlemen, welcome to Dubai and drops it and walks off. It's like really dark, really dark game, but very solid. And that was kind of my first thing with morality, but I don't know. Morality is an interesting topic, like most of the things that we talk about on here, but it is all subjective. So Super duper subjective. And I think this movie, the main topic was morality. No, I absolutely think that morality was a concept that played pretty heavily into this movie's narrative. And because of that, I feel like we should talk about it, but not talk about it too much because we could spend 40 days talking about it and never come to an actual answer. Yeah, because people have spent their whole lives discussing morality. That's what philosophers are. And that's the problem with philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) And with that? And with that, that's a review. This has been Two Idiots, One Podcast. I'm Bailey. And I'm Taylor. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you have a super jolly good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's get ready to rumble. I'm going to get sued by WWE now. That's not WWE. Is it not? No. What is that? It's like boxing. I don't think so.